engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Trade war. It's a trade war. Yes, the president of the United States saying there's going to be a trade war. Or, well, he thinks we'll win one if there is one, but he hopes there isn't one. He's he's sure that no one will dare. Never mind what they're saying. Here's the problem. Y'all, this is one of the things. By by the way, you should know that 65% of Republicans agree with the president. No one else does. Independents, uh, moderates, liberals, Democrats, nobody agrees except 65% of Republicans, uh, which isn't uh, enough to give the president a majority of people believing uh, that, that everything will be okay by raising tariffs. It is Economics 101 that this will not turn out well for the United States, but the president now has to go for it. And the reason the president has to double down on this and say it's coming is because of Pennsylvania. There's a special election in Pennsylvania. The president would like to win the election. Republicans in Washington have told him it's not going to happen. Republicans in Washington have now told the president they can expect to lose the House of Representatives in November, that they need to do what they can to save the Senate. They are looking at Texas today having primaries, and they are scared out of their minds. We'll get into that later. Uh, Republicans in Washington are freaked out by what they are seeing in Texas. I mean, it is it is bad as far as they are concerned. But the president wants to try to save Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania wants to protect the steel and aluminum industry, so the president decided he would announce uh, the, the, the tariffs in the run-up to the Pennsylvania special election. That's something that's been missing as part of the equation, something, honestly, I did not realize until talking to people at the White House about it, that the president thinks this is about uh, Pennsylvania. Well, Gary Cohen, who is the White House economic advisor, is threatening to quit, that if the president does do the tariffs, he will quit. Now... Some people are saying, well, this is just a Goldman Sachs lackey. Um, but the fact of the matter is, Gary Cohen understands what will happen to the American economy. He does not want that on his head. He does not want to be tied to a disruption of the American economy, that a trade war would start, that a tariff would incite. He wants to go. In fact, the White House had a press conference today, the one Chris Chandler was referring to, where he talked about trade, tariffs, and a potential trade war, and that we would win it. And Gary Cohen had a seat reserved for him. He refused to show up. Sarah Sanders took his spot, but not before reporters took a picture of his seat showing that it had his name tag on it, reserved for him. Now, why would why would a trade war happen? Well, so here's the problem, and this is why the president is all talk. And by the way, I I, I guess I'm I'm missing the 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 punchline of all this is that he wants out of it. The president at this point actually does want out of it. He does not want to uh, go through with the trade war, but he feels like he's doubled down now, trying to help the special election in Pennsylvania. And as, as he pivoted slightly, saying he's only threatening to do this so he can get more concessions from Canada out of NAFTA. So he continues to to shift a little bit on this issue, trying to move back away from the full-on implementation of full tariffs on aluminum and steel because Gary Cohen is threatening to quit. The president doesn't want that on his head because uh, Paul Ryan and others have gone to the White House and explained to him that this would not be good for American trade. This would not be good for the American economy and because consultants from the National Republican Congressional Committee and the RNC have advised the White House political team that there is no saving this seat in Pennsylvania. Tariffs will not save this seat. Remember, if you go back to 2001, one of the things that George W. Bush did is he implemented tariffs on steel for Pennsylvania. It did not 
get him Pennsylvania in 2004. John Kerry won Pennsylvania even with the steel tariffs. This isn't going to help President uh, Trump with saving a Pennsylvania special election, uh, largely because that district is, is redrawn in part and largely because that district is an R plus three district. And that means it's now a swing district. Things have gotten so bad for the GOP out there. So all of this political theater of tariffs was about saving a special election in Pennsylvania. That's not going to be saved. And now the president's got to figure out how to walk back his tariff statement if he can, and he may not be able to. And if he can't, a trade war. And why will a trade war be so bad? My friend Jim just emailed me. The election is way too far away to concede anything. Why don't these fools fight? Because they're Republicans, Jim. Republicans don't fight. Democrats fight. When, when is the last time Republicans really fought for anything? Um, they, they don't tend to fight. Republicans are scared of their own shadow. Why? Because Republicans have a uh, like-itis. They've got to be liked. It is a disease. They have to be liked. They have to be able to go to the talk shows. They got to be liked. Uh, they don't care about their base. Uh, you know, the last time Republicans fought and won in an uphill fight was in 2002 when Saxby Chambliss here in Georgia was running against Matt Cleland and the Democrats uh, wailed and complained and, and bemoaned that, that Cleland was being targeted as someone who supported terrorists, even though he wasn't. That was their attack on it. But Republicans stood up and fought back and said, that's a lie. Uh, but Max Cleland was holding up Homeland Security to protect unions. He was out of step. Uh, that is the last time Republicans significantly fought in an off-year election. In 2010 and 2014, the Republicans did not fight so much as people just got mad at Barack Obama and the Democrats. Republicans don't fight. They're not going to fight now. Now, they shouldn't fight on, on tariffs. In fact, Paul Ryan has been reaching out to the White House and has come out publicly and said this is a bad idea. Why? Let me explain it to you. Economics 101, this isn't hard, and I'm just flabbergasted 65% of Republicans agree with the president on this, uh, when 65% of Republicans would be, actually 90% of Republicans would be blasting Barack Obama if he did the same thing, because it is so economically devastating. A tariff is a tax. It's a fancy way of saying a tax. What a tariff is that distinguishes it technically from your general tax is a tariff goes on goods that are being imported to the country. Technically, the tariff is paid for by the company or the country from which the goods come. That's not actually what happens. What actually happens is that the price of the good is raised, and when the price of the good is raised, the American consumer still buys the product, and that money flows back through the company to the country uh, of foreign origin, and the money is remitted to the United States government. It raises the cost of a good. So what happens? Well, American Companies that compete and sell their own product typically don't lower their price. They actually just keep their price the same and hope that the tariff will cause a, a spike in price so people will buy American. That rarely actually happens these days because of the economies of scale. So many of these goods, particularly steel and aluminum, can be processed and imported into this country even with a tariff for cheaper tariff. Uh, tariff. Sorry, I'm talking too fast. Even with a tariff. Goods manufactured overseas at wholesale cost can be brought into the United States, typically cheaper still, even with the tariff, than the comparable good manufactured in the United States. So people aren't actually going to jump ship from the foreign good, even if they'll pay more. So what else will they pay more for? Well, the European and Asian countries will respond by raising tariffs on American goods. Uh, American jeans, for example, will be taxed very highly abroad. 
Levi's, Lee, Wrangler, you name it, uh, their prices will go up. And that may dissuade foreign buyers from buying jeans coming into their country from the United States. You can win a trade war when you have other countries helping you. You cannot win a trade war when you are by yourself. The reason is because you price yourself and no one else out of the market. Suddenly, everyone else's goods are cheap in comparison to yours. And because everyone else in the world, goods from countries you've never even heard of, are suddenly cheaper than your goods, you don't actually hurt anyone else. You hurt yourself. So for the president to come out and say that we can win a trade war because it'll be us versus everyone else, it's actually exactly backwards. Because it's us against everyone else, it'll be real hard to win the trade trade war because no one else's prices will be affected, but every American price will go up. And that's the terrible, bad danger of a trade war, particularly when our American economy is just getting over the Obama recession and has been on the upswing because of Donald Trump. Donald Trump's economic policies, his laissez-faire economic policies, have done a very good thing for the American economy. It has allowed it to stabilize. It has allowed predictability to come back into the market where people know that that they're going to get certain outcomes based on presidential policy. Bringing tariffs into the mix undoes that, turns it upside down, and brings uncertainty into the processes, and that will disrupt American business, which will in turn disrupt the American economy. That's why Paul Ryan and others are going to the White House and saying, this is not a smart thing to do, Mr. President. Walk this back. And the, the silly, crazy part of it all, going full circle, is that all of this was about the president trying to come up with an idea that would be economically popular in a swing rural district in in Pennsylvania to try to hold on to that seat that can now not be held on to. The whole, the whole of the presidential administration right now, the whole of this processing to make sure that we are mitigating damage by the Democrats for twenty for the 2018 midterm election is being undone by these these half measures that are wobbly and, and waffled by the White House. They need to sit down as a party and come up with a game plan for the next six months and say, this is going to be our legislative trajectory. We're not going to do these things, these other things. And one of the other things they shouldn't do is a trade war and tariffs. There is something they should do, and it looks like they are going to do it tomorrow in Washington, and that is a, well, school safety and gun violence measure that has nothing to do with restricting your Second Amendment rights. Y'all, I want to take a quick time out to thank one of our sponsors this week. It is Beachbody On Demand. Now, you know the Beachbody name. You may not be familiar with the brand directly, but you know P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix, T25, the three-week yoga retreat. They've moved to a digital platform, so you're not buying DVDs anymore. You're actually, you can web-enabled, get it on your phone, get it on your tablet, even get it on your TV. They've got a great Apple TV app that I use. Why do I use it? Well, of all things, yoga. Now that I'm over my 40s, uh, I've had my doctor recommended it, and I need to stretch more. And I've been doing a fitness routine just because I'm trying to get myself back in shape for more TV and travel demands. And, you know, Beachbody On Demand has some great products. Their yoga plan for me that I do with my wife has come in real handy. I have a ton of friends who do P90X. Beachbody On Demand, it's really convenient. You can get it on your computer, your TV, your tablet, your smartphone, any web-enabled device. You don't have to go to the gym or schedule a class. Everything is right there. You can even do it in your hotel room, which I do. 
do do it in my hotel room. It's also very affordable. You can try their great program, all 600 workouts and nutritional information for free, plus your annual subscription is cheaper than a gym membership. Here's what you do to give it a try, and I do recommend just give it a try. See what they offer. Right now, you get a free trial membership when you text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 303030. That's right, ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 303030. You get full access to the entire platform for free, all the workouts, nutrition information for free. All you got to do is text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 303030. Thanks to Beachbody On Demand for sponsoring the show. It is 27 after the hour. Um, A a buddy of mine, Kevin, is the CEO of a clothing company out of Texas called Miz and Main. They hire veterans. A great company. Uh, Love their shirts. Save me in California. I had a pullover from them that he had sent me. Uh, They are doing a pop-up shop in Atlanta. And I put on my Twitter feed, if, if you've got a, a kid or you yourself are interested uh, in being an assistant manager or sales associates at their pop-up shop at the Battery in Atlanta, um, they are doing one. It's going to be from March of 2018 to September of 2018. It is in my Twitter feed at E.W. Erickson. Uh, go check them out. When we come back... There is a gun op-ed in the New York Times today by Bethany Mandel. It is causing a firestorm. She happens to be a dear, dear friend of mine. I will tell you what I know, and the reaction to her op-ed is just unbelievable. Statement from General John Kelly. Uh, Gary Cohen has served his country with great distinction, dedicating his skill and leadership to grow the U.S. economy and pass historic tax reform. Um, Oh, hang on a second. Hang on. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Yeah, sorry. Um, so (laughs) a friend of mine, uh, at the white house is doing damage control texting, knowing I'm on the air or thinking I'm back on now. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, okay. So (laughs) direct text message from someone at the white house. Uh, this was already in the works. I know what you're going to do. Uh, so the official White House spin is that Gary Cohen, uh, he got his ta- got, got tax reform package. He's on the way out of the door. Y'all, that's, I'm, I'm not, by- hang on a second, y'all. No, stop trying to spin me. I can see you smirking even through text messages. Smart. Um, Yes. Okay. So he, uh, they're saying he's been talking about leaving for several weeks. They're saying his departure date has not been. I'm on air now. I'll get back to you. 
I'm reading your messages on the radio show. You didn't say they were off the record. <laughs> Sorry. So they're trying to, this is the level of spin. Um, so they're trying to say this is this has been going on for a while. He got the tax package done. This is uh, the the text messages I'm getting. <laughs> I'm sorry. Someone in the White House just sent me a middle finger emoji. Um, I usually send that one. <laughs> okay. So the reason Gary Cohen is leaving is because he is a free trader. He believes that the despite the spin that is continuing to come in through text message, he is a free trader. And he told the president if the president was going to go forward with tariffs. He was going to quit. And he thought that could get the president to, to walk this back. It has not. So he has quit. Kudos to Gary Cohen for potentially being the only person in the White House to make a resignation threat and actually going through with it. You would think perhaps that maybe Jeff Sessions would take his lead on this. Uh, this is a very big deal. When your economics advisor advises you not to do something and says, if you do this, I will quit, and he quits, uh, it's, one, a pretty big signal that the president is going to go through with this tariff idea. Now, I mentioned to you in the first half of the program that this a lot of this has to do with the fact that the president was trying to come up with something um, that could potentially excite voters in Pennsylvania and keep them, get them to keep a seat uh, on the Republican side. Republican consultants are saying it's too late. It's been redistricted. It's now Democrat. We're not going to win this. The president wants to go through with this anyway. Um, somebody just tweeted me texting on air. That's good radio. Sorry. Um, so anyway, um, y'all, this isn't good for the American economy. And the fact that Gary Cohen, who is highly respected as an economist, highly respected as an advisor to the president, highly respected as someone the president would listen to on this issue and the president didn't, the fact that he's quitting is a terrible signal for this White House. I mean, uh, what are, I mean, let, let's, let's think. We've got, let's so Gary Cohen is gone. Uh, Hope Hicks is gone. Um, Rob Porter is now gone. Um, Rosa Manengalt is gone. Dina Powell is gone. Tom Price is gone. Sebastian Gorka is gone. Steve Bannon is gone. Uh, Scaramucci is gone. Reince Priebus is gone. Sean Spicer is gone. Um, James Comey fired. Mike Flynn gone. Um, who else? You got Dearborn. Remember he was one of his legislative advisors. Steve Dearborn is gone. Um, KT McFarlane is gone. Katie Walsh is gone. Uh, Mike, uh, you just, you've got a, a one year exodus, a one year exodus in this white house. Uh, just chaotic, uh, statement from Gary Cohen, just in, it has been an honor to serve my country and enact pro growth economic policies to benefit the American people in particular, the passage of historic tax reform. I'm grateful to the president for giving me this opportunity statement from the president just in on Gary Cohen. Gary has been my chief economic advisor, did a superb job in driving our agenda, helping to deliver historic tax cuts and reforms and unleashing the American economy. Once again, he's a rare talent and I thank him for his dedicated service prior to getting the middle finger emoji white house 
House uh, staffer texting me to say this is about him doing what he came here to do, the tax reform effort, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is the White House spin on this issue, clearly, that uh, Gary Cohen was there for tax reform. Tax reform having passed, he's now ready to leave. This has been in the works on a while, for a while, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, That's just not the big issue, though. The president said that or he told the president he would quit if the president imposed tariffs because of what it would do to the economy and the trade war it would start and this is seems like a pretty clear indication the president refused to take Gary Cohen's side on this he sided with the protectionists as he campaigned on the campaign trail saying he would do all these people thought they could talk the president out of these things, and he didn't. And so now the president is losing his chief economic advisor, the man who was a- able to build a coalition to pass a tax reform package that the Republicans thought they could ride to mitigated damage in November, and now more damage is being created. My goodness. Oh, y'all are going to want to hear this phone call. We're going to the phones now. John, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, uh, there, there's these, uh, Delta Airlines has uh, pep rallies called uh, uh, Velvet Rope Tours. And in Salt Lake City at the convention center, uh, he got up, you know. and this and He told- is the CEO of the company. Ed Bastian, the CEO, said it's been a rough week, you know, with the uh, in, with the with the Georgia t- fuel tax in uh, the NRA, and he said, "Quote unquote." But you know what? They can keep their blood money. Oh. <sighs> and there's about I don't know a gazillion people from all around the world, all around the system, you know, who fly in for these sysbombas uh, because you can spend the night and et cetera, and there's alcohol and blah blah blah. But I'm telling you what. A lot of mechanics and a lot of pilots probably, they're kind of ex-military, they're conservative for the most part, you know, and then you've got the other, the flight attendants, blah, 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 and they might be on the others. But, you know, there's a lot of NRA members I know in the mechanics. Yeah, I I mean, I know a lot of Delta pilots, and uh, almost to a man, they're former military. Well, half the the place clapped and half didn't, and uh, some people just went for the exits. Wow. (laughs) So... I'm telling you, you know, it's kind of like um, whatever happened to be apolitical, because that sure as hell ain't apolitical. Yeah, Sorry, that, you know. that's the truth. You know, I want to talk about Delta when we come back. We got other calls on the trade war, too. But thank you for sharing that story, John. Yes, the, the CEO of Delta doubling down, calling the NRA blood money. Just pathetic. There, <laughs> The fallout from the Delta decision when we come back and your calls on the trade war. It's 10 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB, and I'm told that I should be saying Con, not Cohen, uh, for Gary Con, the White House economic advisor. So there you have it. Um, you don't have to call in and correct me. Now, I want to pivot and start the show with a phone call uh, related to an issue on the economic, uh, front and the tariff front, Mike and Smyrna, you're up next. Welcome. 
Hey, Mike. Hey, yes, hello. Hi there. Hi, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, you've been talking about the economic aspects of the uh, tariff, but uh, have we considered the national security implications? As I understand, uh, we're down about 75% on aluminum smelters over not too long ago. Uh, we've only got about five left, and only one of those is capable of producing what I'd call weapons-grade aluminum. So uh, I just wanted to consider that. Uh, well, uh, you know, in fairness, this is the argument that the president is making, that this is a national security issue. Um, I, I think that the counter to that is asking ourselves the question, are we going to war with Canada anytime soon? Well, as I understand the uh, problem with the aluminum, and I don't know where it is on steel, but on aluminum, I think the problem is China. If, uh, if we're to go to blows with anybody, I think it'd be more likely to go to blows with China than, than Canada. Yeah, exactly. Now, the problem is that um, can, I'm, I'm looking at this paper right here. Da, 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 this is the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, China is the 11th, um, number 11 on importer of steel and aluminum to the United States. Uh, Canada okay. actually uh, sells more steel and aluminum inside the United States than any mm -hmm. other country. Uh, and okay, then the, the Department of Defense's consumption uh, for building um, military weapons uh, and planes and tanks and ships is only 3% of the consumption. Um, uh, at this time or in, during wartime? Right now. Okay, well, right now is now. Right, but yeah. So we, so if, if we go to war, yeah, that would absolutely go up. You're right. Um, the question, though, is if our top importers are... Canada and Brazil is also a, a top importer ahead of uh, Russia and China. And in fact, that of the 12 countries that are the top 12 countries for importing steel and aluminum, we have defense treaties with the top five of them. I mean, I, I guess the question is, are we going to go to war with the five countries who import the most steel and aluminum into the United States or are we not? Because if we're not, um, then we've got defense treaties with them. And those defense treaties, we help them, they help us in times of crisis and war. Uh, so I, I think our, our treaty obligations and whatnot really undermine uh, the claim of national security. I mean, what this really is about, and the president gave away the game today, you should know, is NAFTA. The president said he won't enact the steel and aluminum tariffs if he can get compromise from Canada on NAFTA. So this is really, this isn't about Russia and China. That was some of the original spin, particularly on the national security front. But the president gave the game away today when he said he won't do this if he gets concessions from Canada. So this is all about Canada. What are the odds that we're going to war with Canada anytime soon? Ask yourself that to answer the national security question. Now, um, my buddy Fred points out uh, very accurately that it is hard and expensive to smelt aluminum in the U.S. and stay within regulations. That's one reason most aluminum production has moved outside the United States. Even Canada has less regulatory burdens in Western Canada on smelting aluminum than we have in the United States. Again, that's the national security issue here, though, folks, is are we going to war with Canada? If you think there's a chance that we're going to go to war with the tort prime minister of Canada, then, I mean, for God's sakes, people, Matthew Perry beat him up in school, 
Chandler being from Friends beat up Justin Trudeau when they were in school together. Yeah, are, are we going to go to war with that guy? We could just send the cast of Friends to, to dominate them. It's not going to happen. Now, let's go back to the phones on this issue. Gary and Marietta, welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I wanted to make a comment on that. Uh, my family's been uh, in the import business. They've been importing plywood from uh, China and Brazil and different places. And just here in the beginning of 2018, uh, they pa- uh, the government passed a tariff on uh, birch wood. And what's happened is the... Uh, the prices by the uh, domestic mills have just gone up uh, because, you know, they can't, when the tariffs go up, they know they can charge more because you can't supply the need for the consumer. And to, so who ends up hurting is the consumer mm-hmm. in these cases anytime you have a, a tariff. That is a very good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people think that, and the president clearly from his statements thinks that if he does this, it will somehow make the American product more competitive. And that rarely, if ever, actually happens. Um, there's a reason that people have turned to foreign manufacturers for these products, and it is because of price. And when you add a tariff to it, uh, the wholesale price is not affected significantly enough to suddenly say, oh, well, now we got to buy the American product. That's, I mean, y'all, this, this is economics 101. It's not hard. I mean, just go read Hayek. Uh, go read Bastiat. Go, go read... Milton Friedman. I mean, this is all read economics in one lesson. My goodness, there is a book that you should read economics in one lesson. Um, easy, easy book to read. In fact, when I was first on air, we had like a, a little book club thing we did where uh, readers and I would we would go through a book. And that was the first book we did. Economics in one lesson. Uh, it's a great primer on uh, economics in this country and free market economics and why tariffs are bad and and odious government regulations drive up costs. This isn't hard, uh, but it is in the White House. Now, we've got a lot of other stuff that we need to talk about. There is a primary happening in Texas today. Texas has no bearing on Georgia, except it does trend-wise, because the trends that are going on in Texas today are trends that are going on in Georgia at the ballot box as well. And they are trends that are deeply going to affect the country moving forward as we decide in November who's going to be in charge of the House and will Republicans lose the Senate. And things right now are scaring Republicans in Washington. Also, my friend Bethany Mandel, she wrote an op-ed in the New York Times saying to be a good mom, she got a gun. And Shannon Watts of Everytown USA for gun control or whatever has freaked out, melted down. I mean, just it, it is it's amazing the meltdown this woman has had, exposing her to be the totalitarian gun grabber she really is, because she couldn't find a way to counter the argument that my friend Bethany raised, and it is just profoundly disturbing to watch these people show their little fascist uh, when they come out on Twitter. An official brief Profit Center timeout to think a sponsor, Man Crates. I'm drinking a beer, and it is in my custom pint glass with my name on it, my beer glass. 
I've got six of them, and I got them from mancrates.com. It is the website to go for the impossible gift person, the guy you know who you want to get him something awesome, and you're just not sure. you got a birthday coming up. You want something. You want to recommend someone go there to get something for you. Mancrates.com really is awesome. They've got stuff if you're into grills, if you're into home cooking, brewing, distilling, if you're into sports, um, hunting, fishing, you name it. They've got a man crate for you. In fact, man crates has gifts for every type of guy, and it shipped in a wooden crate. You can go to my Instagram page and see the video of mine when it came. They even ship it with a crowbar. You pry it open yourself. It's really cool packaging. Hundreds of gifts, uh, gift options, so finding the perfect man crate, it's really simple. You go to mancrates.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You find the unique gift like the adventurous knife-making kit for the hands-on guy or the whiskey appreciation crate. They've got thousands of five-star reviews. Every man crate comes with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. I love my beer glasses. They even, when they shipped them to me, they shipped beer nuts and peanuts, you name it. Um, got great little gifts. Had bar snacks for my friends when they came over. So tell your wife, your girlfriend, your mom, whoever you know who want you want a gift from them or you want to get a gift for someone, go to Man Crates. You'll get 5% off at mancrates.com slash Eric. Limited time offer, 5% off right now at mancrates.com slash Eric. That's mancrates, M-A-N-C-R-A-T-E-S dot com slash Eric. Thank you to Man Crates for sponsoring the show. Alrighty, it is 25 after the hour. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, wsb talk I, I want to mention just briefly the Tex McIver case. You're going to be hearing a lot about that in the news as we get into the trial. Jury selection is going on right now. Um, I knew Mr. and Mrs. McIver. I've been to their home out in Eatonton for a fun right near Eatonton. A beautiful ranch. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful property. Um, lovely people. It was a uh, real, real tragedy. Um, Mrs. McIver dying. And I, I have a hard time believing that it was intentional. Um, we'll see what evidence comes out at the trial. But what I'm fascinated by is the people who've gone in making up their minds already. Part of me believes some of the people who are so strident and have made up their minds, they're just getting out of jury duty. But otherwise, I, I there are some people who I think uh, can, who they've made up their minds because of the facts of the case and they're being sincere and they won't know part of it because they think he's guilty or, or they think he's innocent. Most think he's guilty. Um, an accidental firing, the, the judge having to deal with the issue of Black Lives Matters. That's why he claimed to have the gun out. They were driving through a protest area trying to get to a condo in Atlanta. So he had his gun out. Um, just to, it's it's going to be an interesting, interesting, fascinating trial to see what comes out. I, I don't want to leave the impression that I knew them very well. I did know them. It's just, it's surreal though to me to, to know these people. Um, however, incidentally, and for this to have happened and, and be there, there's this story and this trial and we'll go through it. Now the question is whether or not they should move the case. And it looks like the judge more and more is leaning towards possibly saying, you know what, we're going to have to have a change of venue because we can't find a fair jury in Fulton County. Where will they go? The beach, perhaps the beach, maybe everybody wants to go to Savannah. We'll see. Now, when we come back, 
There are stories I, I want to deal with, and we don't have a ton of time left. Uh, the trade war and, and Gary Cohn new, news has taken up most of the night. Let me just say this about the Bethany Mandel op-ed. Uh, she's a friend of mine. She and her husband are Jewish. Their home information was placed on Stormfront, the neo-Nazi website, as has happened to me in the past. And they were threatened. Uh, their home exposed. She went out and got a gun to protect her family. And she wrote an op-ed in the New York Times today saying, you know, uh, I because I love my kids, I needed to protect them, not wait for a sheriff to show up if I called 911. So I learned how to use a gun and I bought a gun to protect the family. And people are livid at her. The Everytown USA woman calling her white privileged for doing this. It's 39 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB. Um, One more quick point on Bethany Mandel's op-ed. And... If you go to theresurgent.com, you can see a copy of it or text the word show to 444-999. It'll be in my daily email tomorrow, and you can see the link to it and see my full thoughts on it. Let me just read this one short excerpt from it. Over, excuse me, I'm getting the hiccups. I'll try to hold my breath while I talk. Over the Republican primary season, I was an outspoken conservative critic of then-candidate Donald Trump, and a torrent of hate rolled my way. I would later learn just how much. The Anti-Defamation League named me one of the top ten Jewish journalists to be attacked by the alt-right during the election season. After years of receiving death threats for my conservative views, months of being attacked by the alt-right, and then having our address published online by the neo-Nazi Daily Stormer, I pushed myself to finally go through the process of asking friends for letters, attesting to my character, obtaining fingerprints, and submitting to background checks. I was given a reason to feel that I needed to defend myself and my family, and I acted on it. In the wake of every mass shooting, there are renewed calls for gun control and a demonization of the National Rifle Association, of which I was but am no longer a member. We are told that it's not our guns, the guns of legal and responsible gun owners, that would be taken away, but those are the bad guys. But when those advocating bans don't even understand the mechanics and basic terminology of guns, it doesn't inspire confidence. Now, you need to know a little more about Bethany. She's not just the the high priestess of the instant, instant pot. I don't have an instant pot. And she is telling me that our friendship may be at an end if I don't get an instant pot. She is in the cult heavy. I mean, she is all, she's is—she's got multiple instant pots. She's making yogurt. She's she's making hard-boiled eggs. She's, she's cooking supper for the family. She is into it. But that's, that's not what you need to know. Um, what you need to know is the background of her family that she writes about. My mother admired Ralph Nader and voted for the Green Party candidate during every presidential election. I walked into a booth with her. This was not an issue on which she was the most progressive person in the room, and yet she owned. There was not an issue on which she was not the most progressive person in the room, and yet she owned guns. They weren't weapons of war to us, nor were my parents gun nuts. They just had a camper trailer in upstate New York, which where bears were common campfire intruders, and soon she had a reason to keep them around the house for self-defense as well. 
Right around when my dad left, when I was three years old, our neighborhood on Long Island experienced a crime wave of burglaries, which led my mother to keep guns in various parts of the house in case she needed one at a moment's notice. The decision turned a story with a potentially tragic ending into one about a heroic single mother and her young daughter. Our incident won't show up in the statistics about gun use and self-defense scenarios. I doubt my mother ever reported it to the police. While it may seem counterintuitive to those who didn't grow up around guns, in our house we saw them as tools of protection and empowerment for two women living along. After my first child, a daughter was born. I must have printed the paperwork required to obtain a gun permit in New Jersey a dozen times. Despite what many may think, the process was not simple, nor was it quick. Bethany was raised by a single mother. Her father was nowhere to be found. I believe he ultimately committed suicide if I remember correctly and it was her and her mom she writes about this in the New York Times and she is attacked by gun rights activists for being scared by anecdotes her anecdote was neo-nazis put her address on social media and she was getting death threats that's not an anecdote that's a reality If we want to make it even more real, I never owned a gun until 2016 when people put my information online and three people showed up at my house on my doorstep to threaten my family and me. You Okay, here's your scenario. For those of you who are gun control advocates, here's your your issue. Let's talk this through. You got three people on your doorstep threatening your family. What do you go for first? Your gun or call 911, hope to get through and then wait for 15 minutes for the police to show up with the bad guys on your front porch. I mean that's the reality of the situation. And when gun rights act act or gun control activists try to diminish that, try to ridicule you to call Bethany white privilege. Father walked out on the family, committed suicide. Her mother died when she was 18 years old. A white privilege is how she's being attacked by Shannon Watts of Everytown, USA. I don't think so. Why should we care what these people think about guns? And why should we allow them to set gun control policy when they're not even willing to acknowledge that some people do have guns for personal safety and the safety of their families? It's ridiculous. And then there's the Delta situation. So we had a Delta employee call in earlier said that Ed, the CEO at Delta, referred to the NRA member money as blood money. Y'all, it was 13 people. They lost a $40 million tax deal. It amounts to about $3 million per person. It's an expensive, expensive loss for Delta. And they claim to be proud of it. It was 13 people. It seems to me the damage to Delta's reputation should cause some people to lose their jobs, maybe even the CEO. The reality is that if they just put out a press release and said only 13 people have ever used this, we're not going to reevaluate this right now, but only 13 people have ever used this, they probably could have ridden the storm. Instead, they decided to morally preen and side with the social justice warriors as Delta always does delta always sides with the social justice warriors and it blew up in delta's face 
for 13 people. Most National Rifle Association members, uh, there's there have been several surveys of them now, they didn't even know such a perk existed on Delta. They had no idea. And Delta's willing to scuttle its reputation. It handled this so poorly. If I was a Delta shareholder, I would be talking to lawyers about a lawsuit over their incompetence and bad stewardship of my investment dollars. I mean, it was handled that poorly by Delta, and they lost $40 million they otherwise would have gotten. Uh, Y'all, there's some actual significant breaking news happening uh, right now. Um, 19 lawmakers, Democrats and Republicans, have released a letter uh, they have sent to the Department of Justice Uh, urging the Department of Justice to provide Congress with detailed information about Al Jazeera's operations in the United States. Uh, There is, based on information and belief, lawmakers are seeking that the Department of Justice provide the congressional offices with detailed information about their investigative process and whether additional entities, including Al Jazeera, meet the legal definition of foreign principle. Why is this happening? It appears, according to a report of the Washington Free Beacon by Adam Credo, uh, Congress is pushing forward with an effort to spark a federal investigation into Al Jazeera, the Qatari-funded propaganda network that recently conducted, pay attention to this, Al Jazeera recently conducted a secret months-long spy operation on American Jews in Washington, D.C., according to lawmakers and sources familiar with the effort. A bipartisan team of lawmakers, including Senator Ted Cruz and Representative Ron DeSantis, a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, have petitioned the Department of Justice to open an investigation into Al Jazeera to determine if it should have registered as a foreign-controlled agent under U.S. law. That is a pretty significant issue. A bipartisan team of lawmakers and congressional officials began calling for an investigation. After revelations, Al Jazeera conducted a spy operation targeting Jews in the United States on behalf of Qatar. That's pretty significant, my friends. And this news is just developing. And I will try to get more details. I'll reach out to Ted Cruz. It's his primary night in Texas, though. So we may have to wait a little while longer. But I'll talk to you all tomorrow about it.